Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Welcome to Astros Baseball, a podcast by a fan. For the fans of the Houston Astros, here is your host, Rob Fontenot. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Astros Baseball. It's Sunday, August the 16th. The Astros sweep the Mariners, and they move to 11-10 and 10 tonight. I am joined by the host of Houston Sports Talk podcast, Robert Land, Robert, thanks for uh, joining me tonight. Yeah, great mood too because uh, the Astros—it's uh, a pretty good weekend for them. That was our first sweep of the year, right? Uh, yeah, th- I believe so. It, it feels like uh, it was took forever to to come, but you know, I guess you know, in this season, uh, twenty games or twenty-one games or whatever, it, it is forever. <laughs> Yeah, so I just kind of realized this, you know, getting ready for the show, that we beat uh, the Mariners three out of four, so three and one, and then we swept them. Our record's 11 and 10, but six of those wins are against uh, Seattle and a couple are against San Francisco. Uh, how, how do you think Astros are doing? You still got a positive outlook on them? Considering everything that's happened to them this year, when you start thinking about it, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, I mean, beating the Mariners is, is not that big of a deal, I guess, and and the Giants, and you know that they, they've struggled against the really good teams. Um, but you know, if you look at all the injuries that they've had and and what this team has gone through just in this short time, it's it's amazing that they're right there. And of course, this season. All you got to be is second place in your division and you're in the playoffs and, you know, they're they're right there with that. And so, I mean, you know, I'm I'm excited to see uh, this team now, not just because I'm excited about this year, but there's a lot going on towards the future. And we can get into that. But I, there's a lot that's really fun about the future of this team that I, I just wasn't expecting. Yeah, the bullpen is super young and we have what four of our veterans uh, sitting at home on I.L., and these guys are getting a lot of innings, and like you're kind of foreshadowing, the future looks bright with some of these guys. And then a couple of guys, they're in the rotation as well, Belak and uh, Javier. Those guys are doing amazing. Yeah, teams hitting 153 against Christian Javier, 161 off Andre Schaub, 162 off Blake Taylor, 218 off Anoli Paredes. you got to be excited if you're looking at what a catastrophe this pitching staff could be right now with all the injuries and whatever it's been, 11 rookies, or I've lost count how many rookies they've played this year. And they're sixth in ERA in the major leagues. It's pretty amazing considering they're 20th in whip and only 17th in strikeouts because of the losses of Cole Verlander, Osuna, and Harris. It's not really a strikeout pitching staff anymore. One thing they do well, though, is they keep the ball in the ballpark. They've only given up seven home runs this year, or they've only given up a... uh, enough home runs to be seventh fewest in the, in the major league. So, you know, they're, they're doing things that, you know, maybe they shouldn't be doing. And again, we get, we got to go back to the guy we always seem to go back to, which is Brett Strom, which is, he's a miracle worker. Yeah. The, uh, the Astros are sitting at 11 and 10. Uh, and this, the last series with the A's was the only series that I kind of thought that they didn't let one get away from them. I mean, I think the A's, took it to them and the A's were the better team and they may be the better team. I mean, we might be the second best team in the West now. What do you think of Dusty Baker? Because, you know, I'm not all that excited 
for him as a game manager coach. He's great with players, and that's what he's been throughout his career. But it feels like there's been two or three games that Dusty sort of gave away with some bad game management, managing, and maybe we got to give him credit on the other side for getting these guys to do things that we weren't expecting them to do on the pitching side. But I guess the default is to go to Brent Strom. But if Dusty, you know, especially early in the year, I thought there was a couple of ser- a couple of games actually that just, you know, that was about Dusty blowing. And if he doesn't blow it, you know, they're they're right there at, at near first in the division. We look at this team maybe totally differently with two games. I mean, so they've only played 21 so far. Yeah, I think there's at least two or three games that Dusty may have made the wrong decision as far as putting someone in there or pulling someone out too early. Um, but I don't know. We, you know, there was a question the other day if if you would rather have AJ Hinch back or Dusty. And I think AJ Hinch may be suited more for the way the Astros go or the Astros play. And I, I really don't have an opinion on Dusty yet. Like I said, I, there's things about him I like, and then there's things about him I think he has made some mistakes, but I mean, he, I, I was going to say that he still has to learn, but, I mean, he's been a manager almost as long as I've been alive. Yeah, there seems to be a reason that, you know, he has a little short runs at, as a manager. Not short runs, but he has, you know, he's he runs out as welcome at places, and, you know, you hear this and that about him as far as, you know, some of the things that he does on the field. Of course, he, he struggles in the playoffs, and, you know, that tells me that, a good regular season manager, a bad playoff guy, he might not be that good of a game manager. And that's that's what I keep getting back to with him. And, you know, if you look at this team that, this weekend, though, I mean, just seeing Jordan was such a boost to the psyche on Friday. It looked like he just picked it up uh, all yeah. the way around. His, his fellow Cuban, Yuri Guriel, goes nuts in the two games that Jordan's in the lineup, four for seven a double, triple, two bombs. We're back to the Cuban crushers, so that's a beautiful thing to see. And it's also scary how fragile, though, Jordan's knees are. I guess we've got to baby them like the Rockets had to baby Yao's feet. Yeah, that, I was going to get to that. Um, but but let me stick with Dusty for just one more question with you. What do you think about them extending him already? Do you think that was too soon, or what do you think the motivation was behind that? Yeah, sometimes I just don't understand. It seems like, you know, it's not somebody that everybody else was running out to hire. It wasn't somebody I felt like the Astros were fighting over to get. He's been around. People know what he can do. Um, You you, you basically get a trial season with him this year. I mean, he knew what was up with the, you know, the the coming off the cheating scandal and you got the virus and everything. Well, let's just, you know, let's kind of see how he meshes with the team. Let's see how he manages. It's a new general manager that did not hire him. So I just thought that was a real weird move, surprising move. I, I, I didn't feel like it was a necessary move. You're not worried about short timer syndrome with the situation that they're in this year and what's going on. I don't think players were just going to give up on them, you know, 10 games into the season. There's only 60 games to begin with. So yeah, I, I, I just didn't understand the purpose of you know, rushing out to to re-sign him an extra year. It doesn't mean, though, you can't fire him. We see guys fired before their contracts are over with all the time in, in every sport. True. Yeah, like you're saying, I mean, we pulled this guy out of retirement. Like, what was the hurry to protect him? I didn't get it either. Uh, so let's go to Jordan. You already brought that up. It was so great to see him come back. And he sparked it. He sparked an 11-run game, uh, nine of them in the first inning. I think there was 14 hitters, and uh, or 14 uh, Astros went to bat. But already, after two games, he's already out for knee, knee issues. A couple things that I think of with th- these knee issues and what we didn't hear a few months ago or last year that uh, this could be a permanent issue with Jordan. But if I'm looking to the future and, and I look at the season and I don't know how you look at it. For me, this is an asterisk season. It's going to be that way in the books. It's 60 game season. Everybody makes the play. Weird stuff can happen. But no matter what, I, I don't know how legitimate this championship is going to look down the road. To be honest, this isn't like a strike short NBA season back in whatever it was, 98 or 99, where you played most of the games in the NBA this year. They're playing most of the games. This is, you know, less than half of the games. It's a weird season. 
So I'm looking big picture with Jordan, and and what concerns me is, you know, this these knee issues are, are a problem for a couple of reasons. Obviously, it's a big issue uh, for Jordan in the long term. You you hope that this guy had a long career; he was going to be a star for years and years to come. But even if he can play, and you can baby him along with this thing, it tells me that he's not an outfielder in the future. Can you put him at first base? Is he? A DH, and the, the great thing about the DH uh, under AJ Hinch was you could put a different guy at DH at different nights and give him rest, and that was the benefit of having a DH. Now with Jordan's knees, he's going to be the DH. So you know you don't have that luxury, and the idea that you can't put him in left field next year—that's a little bit of a concern because you've got Springer, Reddick, and uh, Brantley that are all free agents now. So you don't have you know, ah, we could put Jordan in left field next year if all three of those guys go. If for some reason, we can't get them all back. But even if two of them can't come back, yeah, you got Kyle Tucker, but, you know, Miles Straw hasn't really uh, excited me a whole lot with his minuscule <laughs> batting average. So, no. you know, if I'm the Astros, it, it, it it's a concern, big picture. And, you know, it's just, it's sad because, you know, we're seeing this guy's potential. He's baby pools. Do you think they brought him back too soon? No, I mean, it, it I mean, sounds like this is just a after two games. I, but it, but they're saying it's permanent. I mean, that's what Dusty's saying. This is they, they're saying this is this is going to always be there. And I don't know about too soon because I, I don't think the plan was that you know they would have said something a couple of months ago about oh well you know. That he might have to miss the year or he might not get back to late. We never heard anything about his knee issues being a long-term deal until just now. So that tells me that they're realizing with months and months of rest, it wasn't getting better. It wasn't like he was uh, going to get better to the point of this is fixed. And, you know, from what Dusty has said, this is a permanent thing. That's what he's saying. That's exactly what he said. This is a permanent thing. We, that's the first to have heard of that, that this is going to be there for good, and, unless Dusty's wrong, unless Dusty is getting wrong information. Hmm. That's just, I was thinking maybe he needed surgery. They could, you know, this is a shortened season, like with you said, an asterisk on it. If he, if he needs surgery, just let him have it, and let's, let's look ahead to the future. But I, I've never heard of an injury that was just, going to be permanent and you're just going to have the rest of the guy every three games. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's something where he, they're going to have to rest him every three games or if Dusty's just being cautious because he just got back and they just started playing him. You know, I, it's hard to say and Jordan doesn't talk a lot and you can't go into the, you know, that's the thing now with, with this virus, you know, you don't get the access to these guys on a regular basis that we normally would have to where you might be able to get into this more with Jordan and find out a little bit more about what's going on with this thing. So, uh, yeah, this is a this is something that I mean, it's it's definitely something you, you want to keep an eye on. And, and like I said, it's, it was great to see Jordan back th this weekend. But, oh, brother, I mean, it's telling me that Jordan's got permanent knee issues already at 21, 22 years old and he's having issues just after two games when he hasn't played in, you know, eight months or something like that. I mean, that scares the hell out of me. Yeah. So let's go to the, uh, to Friday's game. Uh, we already went over it. They won 11 to one, nine runs in the first. Jordan Alvarez is back. But what do you think about Framber Valdez's performance so far? I think he's done beautifully. I am so high on Framber Valdez. I, I'm I'm as high as you know up up at Mount Kilimanjaro, up at the peak or something. Because, you know, I'm looking at the Astros pitching staff long term, and you know I, we went over some of the names, but you start looking at the pitching staff long term, and we thought, well, what is the long term of this pitching staff with Verlander? Uh, you know, his contract ending next year. Same with Granke. Who's there? You know, Lance McCullers. It's still a concern. Is this guy ever going to be able to put it together between injuries and, you know, control and all the things that you worry about with Lance McCullers? So the future, where are we? You know, and even without Jose Arquiti, it's like, you know, now, now you're really concerned because you, you don't have him. So 
all of a sudden Fromber is looking like to me, Fromber looks like I, I'm I'm an ink putting him in the rotation because a lot of the things that I was concerned about from Fromber, he's showing a, a lot more control this year. He looks like he's just he's just much more in control as a human being out there on the mound, not just as a pitcher. And so I love it. I mean, when, you know, I, for, I had forgotten the quote that I think it was either Todd Callis or Jeff Blum had brought up uh, during one of the broadcasts, but, you know, they said Mike Trout thought that he had the best stuff of anybody on the Astros pitching staff. And that was last year. So, you know, to me, Fromber just super excited about him and Christian Javier, like those two guys, I want them. I'm more confident about them going forward than I am about Lance McCullers. I don't know if that's a controversial statement, but I've really loved what I've seen from their stuff and from just their mound presence and their control. And I'm also really concerned about Lance McCullers, even with having a good outing this weekend. I just, I don't like what I'm seeing in the big picture as somebody that he just has a problem of getting that third strike. He's got a problem of finding that second and third pitch that he's really comfortable in. You know, I just don't, I, I just don't like him much beyond that curveball. And, you know, I know he's not going to like hearing me say this, but, you know, he just looks like a bullpen guy to me. That's what he looks like. He looks like a really good bullpen guy, like back end of the bullpen guy, but he does not look like a guy that I'm trusting long term. I hope I'm wrong. I love Lance, but I, I just don't see it. Yeah, you talked about Christian Javier. Uh, I'm really high on this guy. He had one bad outing, you know, but this guy's not going to go out and throw six scoreless innings every time. I mean, he, he, I guess he, I think he gave up a three run homer in his last start before Saturday. He, he went another six innings. That's his third quality start of the season out of four. So I can see exactly why you're high on him. Uh, we won the game Saturday, two to one. You go back to Friday, Yuli Gurriel was two for four. Saturday, he was two for three. Yuli Gurriel was my player of the week so far this, this week, this last week. You know, you just got, I mean, who can't love Yuli? I mean, he's, uh, he's my, one of my favorite players because you can just depend on him game in and game out. I mean, he goes through these super hot streaks at times, but one thing that you can always count on with Yuli, everybody talks about Correa's defense and every now and then you bring up Springer's defense and Bregman's defense. I feel at times gets a little bit overrated because you know, he, he does make an error every now and then, or he, there's like a play. I'm like, ah, shouldn't Bregman make that play considering, you know, he was a shortstop uh, as a as a college player and throughout most of the rest of his career. But Yuli Gurriel, Lance McCullough said in the postgame, he's the best first baseman in baseball. And he wasn't talking about offense. He was talking about his defense. He made a, 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 a big play after big play defensively this weekend. He, he had sort of a, a bad hop that cost a, cost them a run that uh, Lance said it was a bad bounce or a, a backspin or something like that. But Griel, you just, you, you know, he's going to make the play defensively. He's going to get the ball in the dirt on a, on a throw to first. He's going to, you know, make nice plays over by the bag. He's going to do all the right things over there. And Yuli Griel is, you know, he, he's been about as rock quietly as rock solid this year as anybody. Mm. You start to, you're st this weekend, we started to see Correa fall off a little bit after having that really hot start, you know, that's going to happen. But Yuli, just on a, a nightly basis, I mean, I just, I love him. Yeah, he's going to be a free agent at the end of this year, right? He's going to be 37, something, I think 37. And he's already said he wants to stay here. And unless there's someone in free agency, I don't see a better option for the Astros. And like I said, he wants to stay here. So, you know, they'll probably get him at a pretty good deal. The benefit that you have with Yuli Gurriel is that he's 37. You just said it. There's not going to be somebody that comes in and goes, here's five, six years at $150 million or something like that. I mean, that's, that's the good news is you should be able to get him on a reasonable deal, which is what you've got to do because you've already got Altuve and Bregman making the big money that they're making. You still got another year with Verlander and Granke's contract. Although we got to remember those guys are coming off the books and I hope that's what, you know, keeps George Springer in the fold. He's to me, him and Yuli are the big priorities as far as signing uh, in the off season. But when I look at Yuli, it's not just that he plays first base. It's not just that he's great defensively and he's clutch and the all of that's great. 
but he also can play third base for you in a pinch or second or short. And say, for example, if you can sign him for, you know, a three or four year deal, what if uh, Correa walks at the end of next year, which I kind of think is going to happen. I don't know if the Astros are going to have the money to, to put into a big contract with Carlos Correa. So Yuli's a guy that you could go, well, in a pinch, we can move him over to third base. We can move Bregman over to shortstop. Um, not ideal for you defensively, maybe to have Bregman at shortstop because he's nowhere near Carlos Correa, but he's not, you know, he's a good player. He's a good, you know, he's, he could do a decent job at shortstop. He could definitely handle the position and that gives you some options. So, uh, yeah, there's just so much about Yuli's game that's so valuable to this team. So the Astros picked up the win today, three to two and, uh, Lance McCullers jr. Uh, five and two thirds inning. He d- he didn't look like he wanted to come out today, but I think he he left with runners on the corners, and Scrub came in, I believe, to get him out of that. Is that right? I, I mean, I think that's what happened. They brought Scrub in, and right, what do you think about right. Scrub? He he hasn't allowed a run yet. Yeah, what a party gift from Jeff Luno with the Scrub deal that he made for Tyler White. I mean, you figured. Oh, you got rid of Tyler White. You got a scrub. Well, you got a scrub, all right. But a, a really darn good one named Andres. I mean, he has picked, he's been the find of the season so far. I mean, as excited as you are about Christian Javier and a couple of these other guys, they they at least had some, uh, there was at least a little heat with them. There was a little discussion with Fromber and Christian Javier. Brandon Belak maybe a little bit is in that a little bit, you know, same kind of surprise that Scrub is, but Scrub, I, I just didn't, I didn't figure they were going to get anything for Tyler White when you when you dealt him, and to get a guy that we're we're looking maybe at a, you know, a seventh or he could be the replacement for Will Harris, a seventh or eighth inning guy that you can depend on. Yeah, um, I don't know how he's doing it. I I think his whip is high, isn't it? Does he have a lot of walks? I don't think so. I mean, I think everything. I think a lot of his numbers are, are pretty darn strong let me let me pull those up really quick but uh i know his batting average against has been pretty great it's uh yeah he's at 161 yeah his whip at 155 yeah yeah you're right a little bit high but to me that's something that every rookie might struggle a little bit with that that just more means control in my mind and and but 161 guys aren't hitting him i mean that's that that's huge and so you know, he's somebody that um, not just that he's got the numbers. I don't know about you. I just like the way he looks out there. He just looks like yeah. he knows what he's doing. So you, you go with Scrub. You got Paredes, Taylor. I mean, that's three young kids that could be in the bullpen forever. And then uh, Presley, he kind of struggled at the beginning, but he saved Saturday's game. And then today he actually picked up the win. Uh, what do you think about Presley? I wasn't sure he could handle that closing role, but uh, I, I'm kind of thinking that he can now. I never had a doubt that he could handle the closing role, the the Ryan Presley that we had last year and the year before. This year, I was wondering what was going on, and it seemed like everything came together the last couple of games. Again, this is the Mariners, so I'm kind of I'm trying. I've got to kind of keep it a little bit in check, but it was so good to see that on Saturday because it one strike after another strike and he's had control issues that's one of the big issues that he's been having uh this year to see the the Presley that we're used to seeing um you know I, I, the, the health long term is the only thing that you're concerned about him because he's a big deal now I mean look at it Rob you've got Osuna we don't know how long he's going to be out we don't know how long it's going to take him to come back this injury could be a lot more serious than you know and and I, I, I just don't see him. I don't know if they're going to push to get him back at the end of this year. Now, maybe it's the doctors say, oh, this is something that, you know, you should be back. But to, to get him back out there in a stressful situation with no ramp up, you, you don't have, you know, you don't have games in double or triple A, remember. So he's got he'd have no ramp up and he's coming back in September or something like that. So I don't know if we see. Osuna next year. And frankly, I don't know about you, Rob. I'm not a big Osuna fan. And he, he, I've never had a lot of trust when Osuna goes out there on the mound after watching him the last couple of years. I just lost trust with Osuna. Mm. It, it, there's 
way too many times where there's you get these innings that are oh, boy, you know, he was lucky to get out of that one or he gave up a run, but luckily the Astros were up by two or three when he came. You know, it's just like I, I don't trust him. I don't have the stats on Martin Maldonado, but the Astros historically in the in recent years don't get a lot of offensive production from their catcher, but we're getting it this year. I'm glad you brought him up. It's a note that I had made as batting average and OPS. They don't jump off your scorebook, but all he does is come up with big hits and clutch situations. Would anybody believe that after 21 games, the machete leads the Astros in RBIs, not Bragman or Yuli or Springer or Altuve. Martin Maldonado leads the team in RBIs, Rob. Yeah, they were tied going into today, but now he's the leader. He, he's known for his defense. He's known for being a defensive catcher, he, and he's doing that too. He's, he's chopping them down at second. I mean, what, what an awesome pickup. What an awesome signing this was. I, I didn't know that he was ever good enough to be the everyday catcher, but I'm really glad they, they went out and got him. Oh, my goodness. I mean, just a flat-out savior. And you got to remember that the Astros, you know, they had him. They let him go, and then they got him back. You know, they they traded. Oh God, there there was some. I'm, I'm blanking on who they traded the first time when they they uh, got him, but the second time they they trade away. You know, a fan favorite, Tony Kemp, and Martin Maldonado has been worth every little bit that you gave up for him because, you know, Kemp was a he's a career backup. He's a bench guy. Maldonado is showing you. Yeah, he he's showing you can start. I'm glad you brought up his defense because. This is the best that he's looked, you know, as far as throwing runners out. He's throwing lasers. The God, his release is quick. I mean, it's just the ball hits his glove and it's out of his hand before you could, you know, lick your lips or what. I mean, it's gone <laughs> on. And, and so just uh, just ridiculous. You know, the, the one guy that, you know, we haven't he's not really discussed a lot this year, good or bad. I think early in the year, everybody was like, where where's Alex Bregman? But. And it feels like he's been quiet, but Alex Bregman, uh, as quiet as he's as he's been, his OPS is 881. So he's really not far behind where you would like him at this point in the season. And he's he just gives you that consistency where he finds a way maybe to get on with a walk or something like that in the games that he's not hitting. But you know, gives you a little bit of something. I was. I was a little bit frustrated with his start because it's just it's become so much of a habit, this bad start for Alex Bregman. And it usually lasts a month and you couldn't afford a month in a in a two month season. But I, I I'm starting to see it just feels like in the last week or so we're starting to see, okay, that's the Alex Bregman. He gets a big hit, he gets a home run here, he did you know, he he makes a play there. Whatever it, that's the Alex Bregman that that we're used to. So yeah, I mean, if you look at big picture with the, the Astros after this weekend with the Mariners, I mean, there's a lot to to be excited about. And, you know, hopefully maybe some more reinforcements will, will come back because I, I, I just I don't want to see any more of Sice need. I'm hoping we'll get, you know, somebody <laughs> back in the bullpen that I'm a little bit more confident in than Sice need. But the starters, you know, the starting pitchers. Oh, my goodness. that That's exciting. Uh, and you know, if you can get Jordan two out of every three games, that would be nice. And, you know, of course, uh, now Brantley goes on the injured list. Um, can I, can can we talk about Kyle Tucker though, Rob? Can I, can I talk about him? Sure. So Kyle Tucker, I, I just want to say this and, you know, it gets the, the walk off on Sunday and I'm just as excited as every Astro fan to see Kyle Tucker hit a game winning home run. And I hope this sparks his offense. But I've got people questioning me on Twitter for questioning Kyle Tucker's future. Look, people, it's one swing of the bat, okay? So far, it's one swing. He's still hitting 195. He still scares me on defense. I still don't like his plate di discipline on offense. Four walks in 77 at-bats. Four walks in 77 bats. That's not good. Does he look like he has a plan when he comes to the plate? No. Do I feel like he's looking for certain pitches or timing his swing based on his on the defense? No. Do to be a superstar? Of course. Is he right now, Rob? No way. No way. No. Um, 
he needs to turn into one because the Astros just uh, would not trade him. I, I don't know. I would like to see the list of all the trade offers that the Astros got for this guy because they won't let him go. And you also have uh, Forrest Whitley, who, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how long that guy's been in the minor leagues, but I don't know. But let me let me ask you about this guy. How surprised are you? And and it, to me, it's since they moved him up in the lineup, Josh Reddick. Yeah, Josh Reddick's having one of his best offensive seasons in his career. You got to go back to you know. I think one of his better seasons with the Astros was was which season, Rob? You remember this? Which season was one of his better seasons with the Astros so far? The first one, twenty seventeen, right? Oh, yeah, okay. Was it was that it? Was that was that his first season? Was it 2017? Yeah, I think so. I so, think so. So so what do we know about 2017? We know that he was utilizing a trash can that year. Yeah, that's well, and he says, well, him and John Boy says that 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 he was one of the ones that utilized it the least, but that's, that's true. the thing with that's the thing with Josh Reddick, though, you know, to have this kind of a season where, you know, he's showing the offense that, you know, he hadn't shown since 2017. And I think one of his best seasons, might have, you got to almost go back to the A's that far back. But uh, to where he hit, I want to say he might have had a 300 season back when he was with the A's. I need to go look that up. But if you look at Josh Reddick, what he's done this year, you know, it, it, it just looks like a much more confident at the plate, Josh Reddick, where he's just seeing the ball really well. He's not missing pitches. And I don't know what you thought, but maybe adding a little, he's got a little bit more of a dad bod since he had the twins. I think that's helping him out a little bit. I noticed that. I mean, he doesn't have his, uh, you know, I don't want to fit anybody, but a redneck beard, you know, he kind of looks like a dad now. And I did notice he got a little thicker, but one thing I was thinking and, you know, you know, baseball is a big head game. Do you think he's just doing better because getting moved down in the lineup gives him confidence because he knows that they have confidence in him? Well, he was back up top, you know. I mean, that, that, that was thanks to Altuve, but they moved him back to the top of the lineup in this, in this series. And I still didn't feel like, you know, he, he was – regressing too much i, I don't I, he's been you know he's been back back of the lineup you know with the astros for the most part i mean he's mm -hmm. not he's not, of course he's not a front of the lineup guy with the guys that they've got but you know it's i i just don't know i don't know what has got him off to a good start but in a regular season you would go well it's only 21 games and we'll see can reddick keep it up and he's going to regress to the mean but hell it's a third of the season in a 60 game season so it's huge. The fact that he's gotten off to a big start is huge because of all the struggles of everybody else, of, of Altuve, which we probably should get to, of Springer, of Jordan not being there with the injury, of Bregman off to his usual slow start. I mean, it's, it's been a big deal to have Josh Reddick. And, and because of that, the offense, although not what we would like it to be, hasn't gone into the toilet and has been able to save him in a few games. So what do you think's wrong with Altuve? Boy, that's the biggest concern. And and started to see a little bit uh, of the old Jose Altuve the last couple of games. I hope that's a pattern. But it's not just like the, the concentration for most people is going to be Altuve at the plate. And look at his average. And he's hitting below 200. And he's struggling. And he's striking out. But it's not just that. I mean, I see a guy that is mentally not right and it's everywhere we're seeing him make base path errors that we don't normally see base running errors mm -hmm. we've seen him not be as solid as he usually is on defense he's kind of been shaky at times on defense you know not only the fact that he's striking out at the plate and he's not hitting but he's not making just the basic let's get the guy home from third base with less than two out the situational hitting hasn't been good yeah so you know, it's it, it, it. You start going well. This is not. We we don't see Altuve slump for five games, much less much less twenty one games. Um, so that to me 
is really it's really not just concerning, it's perplexing. And I, I wish I had an answer for you, but without getting into a wealth, you know, and there's been the talk that, well, maybe, you know, maybe he's just, he's trying to show everybody and he's trying to do too much after, you know, everything that happened over the off season. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. A lot of people think he's pressing too hard. And uh, I, I just, honestly, I think, you know, he's the captain of the team. If they even have a captain, and, uh, you know, he won the batting titles, the uh, American League MVP, and he's being called a cheater over and over. And going back to Josh Reddick, I, I did the one of the games when they played the White Sox, and I, and I listened for all the bangs, and this is when I did my own research. And Altuve and Josh Reddick, neither one of them got any. So I know they weren't, neither one of them were involved in it very much at all. And, uh, but like I said, I mean, he, I think he's just taking it hard and he's just, he's either trying too hard or he's just beaten down from, from hearing all the negativity. And what a difference it could make if he just gets it going in the next 40 games. Cause all of a sudden, you know, you, you get him going, you get maybe Jordan back a little bit more, um, perhaps, you know, Bregman's you know, hits a hot streak. We really haven't seen him hot yet. He's, he's just been getting something here or there, but he hasn't been hot. Springer, you know, we haven't seen one of those Springer stretches where he goes off. Yeah. If you could get some of these guys to, to, to go back to what we're, we're used to with them, um, and, and then you combine that with, like I said, this pitching staff, I mean, that's the thing that just forget everything else that you're watching. This pitching has got to get you excited. Remember, Rob, they, they've got – no first round pick or second round pick next year. They didn't have a first or second round pick this year. There was no draft picks this year, except, you know, for the first five, five rounds in baseball. So what was already a, a, a farm system that had been depleted with the, the, you know, all of the trades that they've made over the last couple of years, you know, the guys that they had to give up to get Zach Granke or to get Justin Verlander to get some of these guys. So, you know, you're, you're thinking, well, what's left, you know, we, we, they're, they're, in the baseball America, they're dropping and, you know, they're the rankings and their minor league system. And you're just like, what's, what do they got? And to, to, to hit like a blackjack, it's like, we're hitting, you know, we got the, we got the King and we're getting ace after ace, you know, yeah. <laughs> right. Boom, boom, boom. We got, you know, we're hitting, we're getting 21s every single time with some of these guys. Um, you know, I, the, the fact that, you know, Oh, a, a Cy Reed is not doing anything. Who cares? I mean, the guy, he's not somebody I was ever expecting to do anything, but these other guys, you're, you're just hoping that, Oh, maybe one of them's going to be a fifth starter. One, you know, one of them or two of them can give you like a, a fifth or sixth or seventh inning, you know, or something like that. But we're, we're talking about guys that I'm excited about, you know, maybe these guys are, maybe this guy's the number two, two in your rotation or a number three in your rotation, or maybe he's a, a seventh or eighth inning reliever. I mean, this is, this is really something cool to see. And, you know, I, I, I looked, you know, like I said, I look at this whole year. It, it's, it's just a, for me, it's, this is like a practice season almost. And you yeah. got, you got like an extended spring training, look at 11 rookie pitchers. Um, and, and for all of these injuries to happen this year, Frankly, I think it's been a blessing for the Astros to see what these guys can do and to kind of know where you are going forward. For James Click, this, it could not, the dominoes could not be falling better for him. And, you know, I hate saying that because, you know, we don't know where the future of Justin Verlander and, and I don't know if you can win a World Series without a Justin Verlander in the next year and a half. But you got to be excited if you're James Click because you've got something to work with. And now it's just like, I, I, I need a piece here or there, maybe this yeah. offseason instead of, oh, I need to go out and get some starters, like starting pitchers, like bad. So the Astros start a series tomorrow. It's actually a two at home and two on the road uh, with Colorado. Uh, Belak, I've been very impressed with him. He's 2-0, and a 1.76 ERA. This is some guy coming out of nowhere, but... That's not what he thinks. He thinks he should have made the roster coming out of camp. Uh, Tuesday, we got Grinky. What an amazing story he's been this year. He's been the funnest guy to watch. Grinky is 
I, I, we, we, we added a nickname to him on, on my podcast. I call him the crank because, you know, he, he's kind of a crank as a personality a little bit, a little weird, kind of cranky at times. And then he's got that sort of delivery that's like a, you know, it's, he cranks it up. It's just this real kind of weird delivery. And it, it, I, I don't, that's the best way that I can describe it. And Granky, you know, I was a little worried after what I saw from him for most of last year and even for the playoffs. But the Granky that we're seeing this year, these last two or three games, that's the Granky that I was expecting. That he's just going to junk ball you and outsmart you and Maddox you to death, basically. <laughs> for you old school people that remember Greg Maddox, he's Maddoxing you. And so I, I, I just... It's fun to watch him because these days, everybody, it's 95, 100, you know, these wiffle ball, curve balls and all that. This is somebody that, you know, he's got a, he's got a good change up that's got some movement and, and you know, he, he, he can do some things with the bend a little bit, but a lot of it's just he knows what pitch to throw, where to throw it, what part of the plate, when, what part of the count to I mean, it, the, of Yankee is fun to watch out on the mound. I believe the last game they that he pitched was the first, as good as he's been doing, that's the first win that the Astros have when he started the game. Is that right? Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So he's pitching Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday and Thursday they go to Colorado. Then they have three games against the Padres over there in San Diego. They don't have the pitching matchups for those yet. Uh, but two things I want to ask you before I let you go about the new rules. What do you think about, first, the extra innings rule, the man on second? Oh, my God. I, I, I love it. I mean, I just I look on I look on social media and there's this, you know, old guy get off my lawn, you know, from the beginning when this when they decided this was going to be the rule to start the season. I was so excited about it. And, and I've been excited about it because. Look, extra innings, I, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I, I've been a baseball fan my whole life. It used to be my favorite sport. Baseball is so boring and slow now. The games have gotten to be so slow over the years. And, and frankly, boring because most of the time guys are trying to walk or hit a home run or strike. I mean, it's hitting home runs great. That's that, okay, fine, exciting, whatever. But watching walks and strikeouts all the time, it's boring. I want to see the ball in play. I want to see something happen. And at least in extra innings where instead of you're just trying to prop your eyes open, especially if you're an Astro fan, because every game seems to be, you know, 11, 12, one o'clock, you know, ending because you're playing on the West Coast all the time. And this year, you know, in the Astros home games, a lot of them are at eight o'clock, you know, because they're trying to they made that deal with uh, the West Coast teams. So, mm -hmm. you know, in, in, in a way it works out for the Astros because you're getting a lot of these eight o'clock games. So you don't have to stay up to one o'clock in the morning. Hopefully, you know, sometimes it's been that way with these extra inning games and the Astros still haven't been able to score. But at least you go, well, I, you know, I, I can look forward to the ninth inning or the 10th inning because, hey, there's going to be a guy on second base to start. The, I mean, the sad part is that the Astros can't figure out a way to get guys home from second base with nobody out, which, you know, this I thought that was just big. Ball 101 and the Astros are having all sorts of issues moving guys over and just, you know, making the, you know, just fundamental play that you want to make as a hitter. But, you know, in general, I'm fine with that. You know, here, here's the deal, Rob. Games are too, they're too darn long. We need a pitch clock. Um, was, was today's game under three? I think today's game was, was it under three hours or over three hours? It was over three hours, wasn't it? No idea. Yeah, the Sunday, I think on, we're, we're talking on Sunday. So if it was over three hours, which I believe it was, that means that five of the Astros' 21 games have been under three hours, which is ridiculous. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, these games, a lot of them are getting closer to four hours. You know, they desperately need a pitch clock. Rob, did you watch... When when there was no baseball and no, no sports for a few months, did you did you turn on MLB Network or ESPN? Did you watch any of these old games, these games from like the from the seventies or sixties or eighties or anything? No, all all I watched was some KBO when that started. Okay, so here's the deal: when you watch those games, 
you start watching and you go, boy, these games are moving fast. You know, I, I watched one of the coolest things of anything that I saw in the break was the watching the old 1980 Astros Phillies NLCS was one of the best, one of the best championship series ever. One of the best playoff series of all time. Just a fantastic series. Unfortunately, the Astros were on the bad end of that series, but I'm watching Steve Carlton pitch. We're talking about the second all time leader in strikeouts behind Nolan Ryan. I mean, I, he's either, I, I'm, I think he's still second. I, if Randy Johnson didn't pass my belief, uh, or Roger didn't pass. I believe he's still second all time, but he's in the top three or four, no matter what. He's one of the best, you know, strikeout pitchers of all times. And and I'm watching it in a playoff game, and I'm like, what the what in the world? He's getting rid of the ball within seven or eight seconds. You know, it's and we're not we we don't see that at all anymore. I mean, unless it's Dallas Keuchel, you know, or Wade Miley, you you just never see a guy get rid of the ball that quickly. And this is a power pitcher. This is a power pitcher in a playoff game. So don't tell me that we can't do this, that we can't have a pitch clock. And it, even if it's 20 seconds, it will at least get it in their mind that, hey, I've got to hurry. And yeah. there's a couple of things that it does, too. When you throw the ball faster, you can't load up every time and throw at 95, 100 miles an hour. And I think there's two reasons that's good. Number two, you, you see guys maybe lowering the velocity, pitching to contact more. That's one advantage. The second advantage is, look, I mean, if you're not throwing, trying to throw 100 miles an hour every time, maybe we're not seeing guys get injured left and right like we do these days. I mean, look how many guys in this already in this shortened season and with this, they had extra time to rest this year. And yeah, I get it. You didn't have the normal training camp, but still they did have three or four weeks to get prepared before the, or three weeks to get prepared before the first game. I know those guys just weren't coming in after sitting on the beach for the last few months. They were at home. They're throwing the ball against something or other. So, yeah, I mean, the pitch clock to me is got to happen. And and so I, I love anything that moves the game. So the guy, the runner on second base to start extra innings, I love it. Okay, the next one, extended playoffs. You like having the extra teams, like you said earlier. I believe you touched it on it earlier, right? Um, you just got to finish in the top two. And then two other guys make it. You can you can even uh, potentially finish fourth in your division and make it. They everything they did right, as far as you know, the getting putting a guy on second base, and we've also, yeah, I also love the new rule where you, the pitcher has to stay in for at least three batters, so we're not Larusing the game anymore. Tony Larusa, I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, for everybody that knows baseball, I'm sure you know Larusa was famous for. You know, one guy pitches and then another, he pitches to one guy, another guy pitches to the next guy. But this is terrible because you had a real chance here to where all of these 60 games, you were on the edge of your seat. Like, you've got to finish the first in your division. There's only 60 games. Well, now over half the teams make it. So this short and regular season that had all of the excitement of a maybe a not a exactly a NFL season, but pretty close. This was like the NFL where every game was that important. Now it's, it's not. You know, the Astros, yeah, the, 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 they'll be a team that might benefit from all this uh, with all their injuries and the slow start that they've gotten off to, assuming that they can they can uh, keep keep it going and 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 start to gain a little momentum here. But boy, I mean, Rob, I I don't like it at all. I just thought this was a missed opportunity of like let's see. Where, you know, what kind of, you know, fans you can get to watch when every game is this big and, and, you know, what it looks like when, you know, the games matter a little bit more. Like I, I, to me, I, you know, I still feel like you've got to knock some games off 162 game season, figure out a way to do it where owners are happy. I mean, I know it's taken away gate receipts and stuff like that, but I mean, that's where it needs to go eventually. It's, it, you can't. We can't keep going 162 games. So I, yeah, I hated this. I hated this rule. The the to me the reason they did this was money. You get you get the uh, national TV uh, games. That's how they make their money. That's what the owners were complaining about. And uh, hopefully they don't do this next year. I mean, they I know they were already talking about it, and they pulled this out of their hat like 20 minutes before the the game the before the first game of the season. I mean, it was just it just came out of nowhere. 
This is where I might disagree with you next year. I, I, I could see more extended playoffs. I don't know about 16 teams, but okay. Let me give a scenario where at least you could do, um, at least you might be able to do not 16 teams, but I don't know, 14 teams or something like that next year. And, and, and where it would feel a little bit more legitimate. I like the idea of the split season. Uh, do, you, do you remember or did you read about the back in 1981 where the, there was a split season with the strike? No, I know. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about, but maybe you could be talking about how they do it in the minor leagues. I know they do it in the Texas league where the winner of the first half plays the winner of the second half, that kind of thing. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. That's exactly what I mean. So yeah, back in 1980, there was a split. There was a split season, and I, I think this was set up by there was a strike that year. So um, they 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 had a a split season. The Astros won uh, the season, the first half of the season, the second. I can't remember which half, but and then um, the Dodgers won the other half of the season. Now, I, I, if I remember correctly, there was a team that got screwed in this because they had the best record overall, but they didn't win either half of the season, so they were out. But, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's kind of like too bad. So sad, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, that's the idea. you got to win your, you got to win that half of the season finishing number one counts. But if you do that, then it gets a little bit more excitement in, in the dog days of July and August or June and July, I guess, towards the all-star break where it's like, oh, you know, this team gets to when they're first half so they're automatically we know they're in the postseason and then the um what happens also because of, of that split is uh the second half of the season all of a sudden you get a reset so the teams that are oh they're done in in june or july already no it's it we're back at zero you know so you could have somebody that you know just gets hot for a half of a season which that's possible and and they get into the playoffs and it, it, you've got to do something in baseball where more games matter because Rob kids, why, why would kids care about baseball? Why would you care about four hour games where most of the, most of the time you feel like it doesn't even matter for most of this? I mean, for a baseball junkie, sure, but you've got to yeah. get the average fan in the tent and the average fan is leaving the tent in droves they're going to watch soccer you know what happens in soccer shorter games it all matters they got more you know they got more stuff to get people excited on a game-to-game -game basis and baseball it's doing it terribly and so this year i thought with only 60 games don't get everybody in the playoffs that's the cool thing about this year next year that's where you can add up you know maybe a couple of playoff teams or you know that's where the split season to me that's the perfect solution to this to where, you know, you get maybe more teams involved and, and, and somehow make it to where in that split season, there is an advantage if you got the better record than the other guy. So, you, you, you know, you win the first half of the AL West, the Rangers win the second half of the AL West, but the Astros have the best record overall, for example. So, you know, in the in a short series playoff, like they're going to have this year, two out of three, say you have a two out of three between the Rangers and the Astros next year. Well, the Astros had the best record between the two teams. You just don't get home field like two out of three. You get all three games at, yeah. at Minute Maid Park. So what do you think about the idea they had? They were throwing it around uh, during negotiations. And I thought this would be exciting and I wish they would have left it in. But they were going to let the, I don't know if, how many of them it was. Maybe it was just the first two guys. But they were going to let the, the uh, top-seeded people or the top-seeded teams pick their opponent. Oh, I, I love that in every sport. I think it's beautiful. It, it, you know, it, it gets a little bit more intensity because some, you know, somebody feels disrespected a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the NBA, I, you know, Adam Silver, he, he's the one that, thinks outside of the box the most. And this is something that's been brought up, you know, by some national guys in the NBA, but in baseball, it, 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 you could do the same thing. I think in baseball 
or the NBA, I think it's 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 an ideal thing. Even in the NFL, you know, you you got those two you got the two games that are the wild card games. You know, if there's a bad matchup, if you're the number one seed, if you're the Ravens and you're like, I don't want to face the Titans, you know, I don't like the Titans and the, you know, give me, you know, I have the best record. I get the pick, you know, and, but in any sport, I love that. idea. I mean, what's wrong with that? Yeah. What's wrong with that idea? If you, if you have, if you got the best record, Rob, you know, there should be some, something more than just, Oh, best record. You're the best record in, in the whole darn league. Or you know the whole conference, whatever it is, in the yeah. in, in the NFL, you you deserve that. They could even do that in the regular format that they've been playing with. Let the two wild card teams go at it, and then you pick if you have the best record. You pick if you want to play the winner of that, or you want to play the other guys. Like you, you can pick who you you know choose who you play. I think that would be amazing. Yeah, that's baseball. Uh, you know, this is something that they don't like to do. Think outside the box, guys. Let's 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 start get getting it uh, to where people care about this sport on a regular basis again. You know, not just hey, well, I like my team, but if my team isn't playing, I'm not watching baseball. And that's the way baseball is for most of the country. Or you watch it during the World Series, or you know, you might watch the League Championship Series or something like that. Baseball desperately needs some major, like they don't need, well, we're going to tweak this. We're going to, you know, do something where, you know, if you get, if you want to walk a guy, you just point the guy to first base. Yeah. You should have done that like ages ago. And by the way, nobody, by the way, does anybody care that that's like, no, it was controversial for like two seconds and everybody's like, oh yeah, that, that is a great yeah. idea. Why were we, why were we wasting that time? So, you know, this is, this is something that, like, um, among a number of things that they need to be thinking outside the box on. I wrote this note down while you were talking earlier about growing the game and, you know, trying to grow the game for kids. And this is what I wrote down. People only care about their team. Like, me personally, I won't watch any other game because I'm not interested in it, and it'll be boring to me. So what is it about baseball that's boring if, if your team's not playing? The games are forever. It, I mean, can I, can I, I go back to Kyle Tucker for a second? <laughs> Kyle, until you can hit 250, you do not get to step out of the batter's box and rub dirt on your hands and spend an hour, you know, grabbing your belt and doing all the things outside the batter's. You, you don't get that privilege until you start hitting two. Look, if Jordan could stand in the batter's box and not move and not need to rub dirt on his hands and not grab his belt. And he's ready as soon as the ball gets back to the pitcher. And Kyle Tucker, you need to do that. And the fact that a Kyle T that I got to wait 20 seconds while Kyle Tucker does that between every pitch, it's a joke. Folks, you can hear these takes or you can read them on Twitter from Houston Sports Talk, his Twitter page, because this is the stuff that he posts. I mean, he truly was talking bad about Tucker today. And that's what I heard. That's what I read. You were talking about how Jordan doesn't do it. Jordan just he's just stands there. He's ready to go. And Kyle Tucker, let me put dirt. You know, he looked weird in batting gloves, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh Kyle Tucker, I was excited for like two seconds. He had the how long did he have the batting gloves? Was that just a game or two? Or how long one, did that I think last? it was one at bat, wasn't it? Oh, was that, really, was that it? <laughs> I, or it could have been one game. I don't know. But I remember seeing it, and that's the first thing I noticed. Yeah, yeah. Just also the podcast, uh, Houston Sports Talk podcast. I can't believe it, Rob. But we're we're about to hit seven years next month. Uh, so there's a lot of podcasts out there, and there, you know, a lot of them have been around for a couple of years, three years, four years. It seemed like everybody got into the game about five or six years ago, but we've been or four or five years ago. You start to see everybody's getting a podcast now. But, yep. you know, we, we started back in 2013. I'm not, I'm not saying we were like one of the newbies. And, it, you know, we were, it's about eight years into podcast history, I guess. But we've been doing it for uh, seven years. We started when the Astros were the laughing stock of baseball. But we don't just talk Astros. I mean, it's Houston sports. So we talk, we talk Rockets. We talk Cougars, Texans. Yeah. Um, if the Owls are doing something interesting, um, we've had some national people on. 
Um, this past week, you know, just I can't recommend enough, not because of me, but because we had, I just I love these guests who gave us some really, really interesting stuff. Uh, Friday, we remembered Coach Bill Yeoman, the legendary U- University of Houston coach. I had on his Cotton Bowl MVP, a Lois Blackwell. Uh, he was on that, uh, sharing memories about uh, Coach uh, Blackwell, played for the Cowboys as well. Um, we had the University of Houston voice for many, many years, Tom Franklin, radio guy for basically sports media guy and radio guy in, in Houston for, you know, 40 plus years now. And then also uh, one of his, uh, well, actually his recruiting coordinator in, in his heyday, uh, Bill Yeoman's recruiting coordinator in his heyday was also on with us to talk about him. And just some, you know, talking about Bill Yeoman and, 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 and Black Lives Matter, he was doing that before it was a deal. We're talking, he cared about Black Lives Matter 55 years ago, you know, that's when yeah. Bill Yeoman was doing stuff with that. And also uh, on Thursday, uh, Mark Vandermeer had him on talking about his entire career, you know, basically a big chunk from an earlier conversation, but none of it is dated because I had a really great long conversation with him three years ago where we got into not only how we came to the Texans, but where rock and you're wondering what rock and roll where that started he tells that story you know he talks about uh his his beginnings and being the voice of john calipari's teams at umass and the the, one of maybe the best college football team ever at at miami they've got uh, a litany of hall of famers and stuff like so uh just really and it's just he's a great guy too rob one of the nicest guys in the biz I noticed when I called you today on Skype that the last time we spoke was June 23rd of 2019. So that must have been when I was on your podcast. Yeah, Rob. Yeah, of course. Rob's been on the podcast. We've had just uh, the the guest list over the years. Rob's number one. But, you know, somewhere beneath Rob, we've (laughs) had like uh, George Springer and Carlos Correa and Jose Altuve and... uh, (laughs) You know, just some some NFL Hall of Famers like Robert Brazil and Elvin Bethay, Dan Pastorini, back from the old Love You Blues stuff. We've had uh, Texans over the years. Uh, just a great guest list. And I, and I also want to give a quick shout out to my my co-host for the last year. Um, got a brand new co-host this past year who's been extraordinary. Um, between, the, between me and Stephen Kerr, my co-host, we've been covering sports for 60 years now between the two of us. Uh, we've been in sports journalism. And Stephen knows this stuff backwards and forwards. Uh, he's older than me, which is, means he's uh, unfortunately older than 21 years old. But uh, no, yeah. he's he's been around for 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 a good while, and been an Astros fan back to the 70s, and Oilers fan and Rockets fan back in this. So he has this, you know, this whole history that even I don't go back. I mean, I I know my history, and I've I've been a fan, you know, back you know, to the late seventies, but even Steven goes back even further than that. And he just does a fantastic job uh, with me. And, you know, if, if I don't know something, I know Steven will know. And uh, just, uh, we have a fun time over there. I hope everybody goes, uh, checks it out. We put up at least one, usually uh, two per week on the podcast. And we're going to do, we're going to do some Rockets post games too, for the yeah. playoffs. We'll have some post game shows. So uh, looking forward to that, see when, what they can get done in the bubble. Yeah, I remember when you had me on and I saw all the uh, guests and people that you had on there. And, and I was just like, wow, this guy wants me on there? That's pretty crazy. Uh, but anyway, Robert, I appreciate you coming on and uh, giving me your time tonight. I had fun. It was a great conversation. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for letting me babble. And, you know, hopefully we get, we get this is going to be a start. The Astros are going to be streaking from here on out. And we're going to see the Astros that we kind of expected to see, at least on the offensive end. Uh, Pitching-wise... It's uh, it's going to be fun week to week, but you, you just don't know with these kids. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time on Astros Baseball. Thanks for listening to this episode of Astros Baseball. Make sure to subscribe so that way you will be alerted when there is a new episode. Follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Fontenot.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.